So at the end of the day, we had a list of 25 things that were going to be a set of priorities for the corporation. And then we were able to take those and map those back to XLAs that said, how are we doing against those? Welcome to Making Hybrid Work, the podcast that explores the stories, successes, and stumbles surrounding the new flexible world of hybrid work, from technology to organizational culture. I'm Matt Eastwood, Senior VP at IDC, the premier global market intelligence firm. And I'm Amy Loomis, VP of Research, Future of Work at IDC. In this three-part first season, we'll be sitting down with experts to talk about how data, automation, and AI are helping to inform, measure, and deliver elevated employee and customer experiences. And with that, let's get going. Okay, folks. Thank you for joining us for the third and final episode of this first season of Making Hybrid Work. In our first episode, we spoke with Sarah Nelson about the human side of hybrid work. And in episode two, we spoke with Ron Xavier about creating modern, meaningful, and measurable employee experiences. If you haven't listened to those, we hope you'll take the time to check them out. Today's episode is about solving the employee experience puzzle and answering, how do you measure success? Amy, is there an easy answer? (laughs) If only. Like every topic we're discussing this season, the notion of success has a lot of variables and nuance. And even once you measure all of the inputs and outputs, even once you activate all of the tools and get a truly thriving hybrid environment up and running, there will always be the human element to account for. And it can't be an afterthought. So before we introduce our third and final guest for the season, tell us what the data is showing when it comes to gauging success in hybrid work. So one of the most interesting findings is how organizations are expanding the ways in which they measure productivity. And when we asked organizations last year about how they were doing this, 48% pointed to customer satisfaction ahead of task-based metrics, which followed at 43%. Employers are also measuring improved skill levels and learning behaviors to measure productivity. Thank you, Amy. That was really great perspective. Well, I know we're both incredibly excited to speak with our next guest. Dennis Perpetua is the Chief Technology Officer, Kindrel Digital Workplace Services. Dennis has over 25 years in the IT industry and holds a master's degree in computer science and information technology. He's currently a Kindrel Distinguished Engineer. Dennis, uh, thank you for being here and joining Amy and I today. Uh, So to get things started, um, let's start a little bit about organizations. So organizations have been experimenting with hybrid ways of working for the last two years. And this appears to be something that will be an enduring part of our future of work. So what are some of the biggest drivers for continuing to pursue hybrid work models? And why is employee experience such an important part of this equation? So Let's get this started with Amy, and then we'll, we'll go to Dennis to get his thoughts. Yeah, well, I think some of the key drivers are getting productivity. I mean, productivity has always been really important, but getting productivity honed for our current really disruptive times. Another big driver is employee retention. I think it's no surprise, even in this era where everyone's talking about the ebb and flow of losing employees or needing to let go of employees, there is still a concern about keeping good employees. So I think a lot of this focus on employee experience is to drive retention of the people that you have and greater degrees of productivity 
Um, and I think that that's how we're navigating these times right now. Those are just two of the top ones. There are many other drivers in terms of being competitive and flexible and being able to take hybrid to the next logical place in each organization. Great. So, so Dennis, anything to add in terms of what you're seeing in the marketplace? Yeah, I'd amplify Amy's two points, right? It's, it's really about productivity. And what I see a lot of is the visibility of productivity, right? So this gets pulled into a lot of different ways in terms of how employers are able to ensure employees are productive. And, and that sometimes goes down this route of uh, looking at like click counting. And that's not what we're talking about here. It's, it's really from the perspective of ensuring that your employees have the tools they need to be successful and enabling them and empowering them because ultimately there's a, a customer impact as well. So, you know, Amy mentioned talent attraction and talent retention, and that's key. But both of those things are done with the purpose of actually dealing with customer attainment and customer retention and, and customer experience. And so this is really a situation where hybrid work is being viewed from an employee experience perspective to make sure that they're productive, they're able to do their jobs, they're able to be successful, because ultimately that has a downstream impact on customer experience as well. Okay, so Dennis, your work focuses a lot on expanding from measuring success with traditional SLAs and shifting to XLAs. And we're wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you see happening and maybe give us some examples around this. Yeah, this is an exciting topic. XLAs are emerging. I say emerging, but it's been a few years now where customers are starting to ask about them. They're starting to adopt them. And we've been working with them in a unique way, which is really focused on making sure XLAs are tied to business outcomes. A lot of times I have conversations with customers about them being a replacement to SLAs. They're not. They're a great way to augment what services are being delivered to employees to make sure that they're actually getting the business outcomes that they expect. And so one of the things that I find unique about approaching XLAs is, one, that they're built with co-creation. So Kindrel has a, a Kindrel Vital Group uh, that comes in and does kind of design thinking sessions, co-creation, so that we can really map the services that are being provided or delivered to an employee across a number of service providers to make sure that we have the right telemetry, the right data collection points to make sure those services are being successful. And, and that's ultimately what an XLA is. It gives us the ability to look holistically at something an employee is experiencing and measure it. So typically we look at SLAs as, did a laptop get shipped in time? Was a call answered in a certain amount of time? Was a ticket closed within a certain period of time. Those are all fine, but each one of those has a variable impact on the business. And so an XLA measures it holistically across all of those data points to say, was this done in a way that actually enabled this employee to be successful? And one of the things that I'm excited about is when we look at it from a co-creation perspective and we look at it holistically across a bunch of different business processes that might be across business lines, it might be across service providers, it might be across different things that a customer is providing themselves, that we're now actually entering into this era of being able to personalize that as well. So how's this experience for the individual? So we're taking it to the next step and looking at the, the job role and the, the role the person has to make sure that they're being successful in what they need to be able to do. These processes are enabling them to be successful in what their core mission is for their employer. 
So Amy, anything that you'd like to add here specifically around experience and how we measure that and why it's important? Yeah, I think one of the key elements is, if you remember back to those drivers, is that experience that the employee is having directly relates to what the customer is going to experience. So it's not simply a matter of, did I complete the tasks that I was set out to do, but was I able to drive customer satisfaction? And if, as Dennis said, we don't have access to the tools we need, the data we need in order to do that effectively, you're not going to get at that XLA circumstance emerging. And I also want to underscore what he said about SLAs and XLAs being complementary, because it's not that these task-based metrics disappear, it's that the customer satisfaction and the improved skill of employees come together to drive that productivity, to make it possible to measure both the SLA metrics as well as the XLA metrics. And I think that one of them is sort of short-term and much more tactical. The other is much more long-term. The XLAs are not just about an outcome in the immediate future, which is true, but it's also about laying the groundwork for outcomes that are happening in the medium and long-term. So I think this is a great place to segue a little bit into some challenges here. So Amy and Dennis, let's talk a little bit about what some of the challenges are around implementing hybrid work, specifically in terms of what this means for employee experience. So let's start, Amy, with you on this one. Sure. Um, We did a whole global study uh, uh, in the spring of 2022. And, you know, we asked about the challenges around being able to prepare for hybrid work and meet some of these new expectations. What was interesting is that on the plus side of it, we had 32% said that they'd invest in technologies and change some of their work policies. Another 31% said that they'd made the changes to these practices and policies and improved the use of tech to support short-term as well as future business requirements, like I was saying. But only 17% were extremely prepared. That means that they not only implemented the processes, but they found out ways to iteratively evaluate the requirements and be able to make those policies adapt and evolve for the future. So when we said, well, what specifically are you wrestling with right now? The first thing that hit 44% were IT support for remote workers. So it's not a surprise, but when you are shifting from short-term reactive support for remote workers during a pandemic to longer-term enduring and ongoing support for remote and hybrid workers, that's a different story. That's a different level of investment. Um, The other element that continues to be challenging is technology consistency for employees across remote and on-site locations. And I talk to clients, buyer side, often about this. How do you create an environment in which it's very fluid to go from working at home to driving into the office to collaborating with people who are not in the office to getting on a plane to go somewhere, getting work done in the flow of day-to-day tasks. So doing that in a way that is fluid, yes, but also secure. And there's a lot of challenge around addressing security from endpoints to network to personal devices um, in the large and having that uh, remote access to data be secure, both for the purposes of personal information as well as IP security. So I think those dive in um, from a technical standpoint, 
And then finally, the, the human and organizational challenges, things like enabling teams to work effectively together or trusting employees to keep those corporate resources safe because you have a culture of trust, not just because you've implemented all the technologies that you need to. So those are the top challenges that I've been hearing about and talking to on both the vendor and buyer side. Perfect. Thanks, Amy. So I guess there's a lot of good data points there from IDC survey, and I'm just curious, Dennis, how that might line up with what you're seeing in your conversations with uh, Kindle clients. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've noticed most is I'm an engineer now talking to HR, and that's a shift that's probably happened in earnest in, I'd say, the last 18 months. And so all these challenges that Amy listed is is emblematic of the fact that the drivers for this are coming from a different place, right? This used to be an IT problem only or an IT owned problem where they're looking at you know, VPNs or creating collaboration tools to exchange files. Now this is much broader. And what that means is it goes beyond IT. It goes, when we talk about employee experience, it goes well outside of getting a device or being able to get support from a service desk. It goes into HR functions, into all of the different elements that are required to do your job and the digitalization of perhaps traditional channels. Um, I have one example that I think about even just from a, a Kindle perspective. Uh, you know, when we went through and we got badged, we actually did that remotely. Typically, my first badge as, as an employee, I went to an office, I sat there, they took my photo and they printed it out right there and gave me my badge and I walked away. Today, when you're badging 90,000 employees, that's all done remotely. And so how do you have the technology to do that? Do you have an application that fires up the webcam and takes that photo? Do you send in a photo? How do you manage all of those things and then get that person that badge? And so that's a traditional channel, a very simple example, but it's a traditional channel that somebody would have gone in person to do that now needs to be digitized with a great employee experience wrapped around it. And so it's an example that highlights that this isn't about giving folks just a collaboration platform or a web video conferencing software or file sharing software. It's really about looking at the holistic journey that they're on and each thing that they have to do to be successful. And then the second big thing that I'm seeing is around the quality of contribution. There's legacy concepts that we used to have in the office, proximity to power, right? So in terms of promotions and getting visibility into the work that you're doing, uh, that's no longer there. You can have talent from around the world and that eliminates proximity to power. And part of that also includes, you know, how do we shift from measuring employees on input to actually measuring their output? What's the quality of their contribution? How are they actually being enabled to do their job effectively and really having true measurement of them to make sure that they're being successful? And those are concepts that I think we're spending the most time on, which is these traditional cross-business line work processes or business processes that now have to be digitized and giving the employee the right tools to make sure that their contribution quality is what they need it and hope it to be for them to be successful. So let's dig into that just a little bit more. Um, You touched on some of the technological and even organizational challenges here. Could you talk, Dennis, just a little bit more about some of the solutions that you're seeing organizations deploying to address this notion of employee experience puzzle? 
Yeah, there's a handful of things that stem from XLAs, right? That's the big topic, right? We could go in and and that's the big fly swatter way to approach this conversation and say, let's talk about XLAs and let's get this telemetry in and let's measure business processes. But there's a real practical element of this that goes beyond that, which is first the co-creation. The most successful or most, um, the easiest approach that I've found to implement XLAs is with a customer that I was speaking with, their CEO came out and they had an annual five priorities. And then each one of his direct reports in the C-suite had their five priorities. So at the end of the day, we had a list of 25 things that were going to be a set of priorities for the corporation. And then we were able to take those and map those back to XLAs that said, how are we doing against those? And so this was really a top-down exercise but it was done through co-creation where we looked at what the business objectives were. And then we tied that back to the services that we wanted to measure that had an impact on those business objectives. So that correlation is really, really important because what it does is it goes beyond just saying, hey, we're gonna monitor an end-to-end process holistically. That's great, but the real value comes in is when that end-to-end process is chosen and the metrics that you're gathering from that have a direct impact on the core business and what the business objectives are. And so XLAs are part of it. You know, dealing with co-creation is a real important piece of that as well. Gaining employee sentiment back, tying that back to the core business objectives. And then we can get into a lot of technology conversations around how do you actually augment that with quantifiable data as well. So that's another component where you pull in quantifiable metrics out of different systems to make sure that the underlying feedback that you're getting from your employees is actually mapping back to something that's actionable, that you can actually go and and change. If somebody comes back and says, this experience was bad, you can look at that quantifiable data and say, all right, this is where there's a breakdown in this process. So that's really interesting, that feedback loop. So Amy, anything in your conversations with customers that kind of fit into what Dennis just set up there in terms of feedback loops and their importance here? Yeah, and I think it's really interesting as we talk about it, some of the challenges have are on the people side and some of them are on the technology side. And I think that notion of co-creating a connection between the measurable benefits and the employee experience and tying that back to business results is really the ticket. And I think about some of the examples of conversations I've had. One of the more recent ones involved uh, a company that was working on trying to build a return to office scenario. And the idea that you would just bring back one department and the next and the next and the next and then be done really didn't fly. And what needed to take place was a conversation, an understanding of where that governance was going to lie. Was it a top-down governance or were we going to find ways to do that co-creation that Dennis was talking about? So what happened was they went from having a linear, we're going to bring back each department in time, to we're going to look at what do we mean by hybrid work. Um, We're going to press the responsibility down to the department level for individual managers to try to iteratively determine what would work for their organization to get to the right business outcomes. And so it went from a very rigid top-down approach to a much more dynamic hierarchical conversation within a team that looked at the hierarchy of the business results to drive who should be working where when, 
rather than the hierarchy of the organization to say, we all have to be in a specific physical place. And so I think that was a real breakthrough and a great example of how these things are evolving. And you start to get the feedback loop in a way that will actually change how, where, and when people are doing their jobs rather than setting a universal policy. And you can't do that if it's not instrumented properly to get that employee sentiment or also instrumented to get the business results and some of these um, you know, metadata uh, signifiers of when something's not working and when it is working, even long before somebody actually opens their mouth and says, I've got a problem. We'll be right back with the rest of Dennis's interview after this. This podcast is brought to you by Kindrel. Kindrel's digital workplace global practice provides end-to-end services from consulting to implementation, management, and support. We use the capabilities of market-leading technologies and co-create with you and our partners the best possible experiences. Learn more at kindrel.com slash digital workplace. That's K-Y-N-D-R-Y-L dot com slash digital dash workplace. Kendrill, elevate your employee and customer experiences. Now back to our conversation. So that was good, Amy. You start touching a little bit on the business results piece of this, and I think that would be a good kind of segue into the next piece of the conversation. So it sounds like there's still a lot of experimentation being done to establish which approach to hybrid work is going to work for different types of organizations. So I'd like to talk and discuss a little bit about what customers are doing to measure whether this is working or not. So we can talk again about employee experience, but I think I'd also like to relate this in terms of productivity and business results. And so, Dennis, why don't we start with your thoughts here first? Yeah, I think this is an area that there's absolutely a lot of experimentation going on. Some of the things that I find the most interesting is around um, collaboration quality and contribution equity. And so there's a lot of work happening around how you're actually getting the most out of, say, the Microsoft platform. That's one very pragmatic example that I have a conversation with a lot. And so... What that means is a lot of customers are coming to us and asking, how do we take advantage of the tools and the technology that Microsoft has brought forward and is currently updating and releasing now? And so this really gets into a lot of different technology topics from how do I use Teams more effectively? So from Kindrel, we came from a non-Microsoft environment that had a collection of tools that now we're all on the Microsoft platform. And what we've seen is a shift in terms of how we share files, how we collaborate and co-create files in real time, how we're actually using messaging and Yammer more than we are email. And those are all cultural shifts that have to occur to be able to actually gain some of the productivity that you need from the hybrid workplace. Personally, I see it as a big opportunity. A lot of times we go into this and say, well, how do we get the same productivity or same innovation that we would if we were all in person? And to be honest, I think these tools offer new ways for folks to contribute in ways that didn't exist before. You know, Typically, if we were all in the office, the most outspoken person might be leading the conversation. But these tools allow asynchronous collaboration 
that really allows more voices to come forward. One of the interesting things we're doing, which is is another topic onto itself, but we're spending a lot of time with ESG and environmental, social, and governance. And these tools are reducing our digital footprint from a storage perspective, which has a, a downstream environmental impact. These tools are running in highly efficient data centers that have a downstream impact on that. And so I see the hybrid workplace as a huge opportunity for us to look at how do we get better input from more people? How do we take advantage of diversity and talent spread out across the globe? And how do we use these things to get better productivity and better innovation overall? And so that's one of the areas where I'm most excited about the experimentation, but it goes into a lot of different areas in terms of how these tools are being brought forward, not just from a collaboration perspective, but from a digitalization of those traditional channels that I mentioned earlier. There's a lot of workflow digitalization, a lot of opportunities to bring in new capabilities that gives you actually better business visibility. So one example that I'd give here is with the increased focus on employee experience, we now have telemetry data on how well your applications are running in the cloud. That wasn't necessarily a priority before. When you use tools like digital experience um, management, you actually see how an employee, how well that application is performing for an employee. You can actually trend a degradation in application performance that may be running in the cloud over a period of time before it actually becomes an issue. So Amy earlier mentioned this metadata, and before we had hybrid work, that metadata didn't exist to the extent that it does today because the prioritization of employee experience wasn't gathering it. So now we can be much more proactive at seeing an application degrading before it actually abends. And we can be proactive at remediating those things. And that to me is a really exciting aspect of it. So I see tons of opportunity here from improving contribution equity and collaboration quality to proactively managing an enterprise environment as you're using your employees as a listening post. That was great. And Amy, I know from our conversations that you have experienced and had a lot of conversations similar to what Dennis just laid out. So do you want to kind of carry us forward with some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the elements that's really interesting here is how much automation is playing a role in being able to capture some of that metadata and the workflows around people doing their day-to-day jobs. So if you're hitting all of these friction points in, in the way that you have to, say, log into a whole bunch of different applications to get your work done, that's going to be a problem. But if that uh, workflow is automated, if there are means by which you simply get guided from one to the next to the next, whether that be within, for example, Teams, or whether that be um, in the context of the day-to-day work that you're doing, um, what I hear is the more automation is being adopted into the day-to-day work that people are doing, the more they're able to focus on more of the higher value tasks, which in turn leads to being able to measure better retention, better innovation. That's another measurement that people are looking for. How innovative are my teams? Not just say, for example, based on gaining patents, but also on gaining competitive advantage with better ways of doing things rather than just faster ways of doing the same thing. So I think that's an important measurement. 
And then the other one that is we're starting to do more and more research on is the discrepancy between assumptions and perceptions of leaders and the employees day to day. So there's a tendency within organizations to think, well, we surveyed our leaders and they say X. Well, it's becoming abundantly clear that the priorities and assumptions about what it means to be more productive and effective differ between leaders and employees. So understanding how you can capture, yes, through survey, but also through behavioral measures, where things are working and what the priorities are for employees that are getting the day-to-day work done, how flexible that is, how important that is to be flexible versus what the productivity measures are from an employer perspective. Um, And I think that's where the experimentation continues and there's a lot of wrestling. And it varies, by the way, very significantly between geographies. So I think that's something we haven't touched on, but I think there are a lot of geographical differences um, in how these uh, experiments are playing out and how they are measured. No, that's great. And I mean, I love this whole conversation around the leveling of the playing field and and what that really means to different levels of the organization and also to your point there, Amy, different geographies as well. So let's kind of close out this conversation just by summarizing some of the most effective ways that you both see us kind of measuring progress. What's going to be the most effective way of ensuring both the improvement of these employee experiences and also the successful business outcome as well? Because that's equally as important. So Amy, let's keep it going with you and then we'll go to Dennis for his final thoughts. Sure. Well, I think building on what I was saying before, I think we need to start embedding a lot of this measurement, both technically and culturally, into the ways that we run our businesses. So you think about that we are not gathering data that is, you know, violating privacy, but gathering data that is looking at the way in which we work, not just the completion of the work. Uh, and relating the two together. So which ways of working are going to build the best results from a productivity standpoint, but also from an innovation standpoint. So first of all, embedding those measures is part of the way in which we look at interconnected work processes. The second is I think that organizations really need to work in an iterative fashion. There is no one size fits all for hybrid and there is no one way of doing this. So organizations need to have that embedded instrumentation so that they can continually monitor and measure how they are being successful and where they need to change. Because what works in one economy, what works in one point in the business history is gonna be different than another. And then finally, I think we really need to uh, connect these results to the business. So as we iteratively evolve what is working for employees, that that also means that we're not just focused on their health, welfare, well-being and productivity from a personal perception standpoint, but we're also looking at how is this generating, as you talked about earlier, a feedback loop that's gonna allow organizations to evolve and adapt. And Dennis, thoughts from you on this? Yeah, I'll try and net it out to three quick areas. The first is around ways to measure employee sentiment and engagement. So getting that feedback is wildly important. And that can take place with surveys, XLAs, CSAT things, and and that contributes back into an XLA. The next is correlating that to customer success through customer surveys, where your employees are engaging with customers and understanding the tools they're using to do their job, making sure that those tools are, are working effectively 
when they're actually customer facing and, and when they're preparing something for a customer to be making them successful. And then the last piece is that quantifiable piece. How do we actually have that quantifiable data coming back in, in both of those respects? So you can correlate the qualitative feedback that you're getting from both your employees and your customers to quantifiable data that you can actually go in and address. And the point behind all of this is one that Amy made, but I just really want to emphasize it is that this moves IT from being a traditionally looked at as an overhead to the business to essential to the business. And that's one of the things that I think I see the biggest shift for in talking with customers today. Typically, you know, I've had conversations with customers half a decade ago where they'd come in and say, well, we're trying to reduce our IT budget. We're trying to reduce our IT budget. And so they're looking at ways to, to gain those efficiencies. And that's, that's all well and good. But the difference now is, is how does that IT budget actually drive revenue and productivity and correlate to the underlying bottom line of the business? And that's a shift that I think is possible with hybrid work. And all of the customers I'm speaking with is acknowledging and seeing an opportunity with. Fantastic. So I think that's a great place to bring the conversation to a close. But before we stop, Amy, any last thoughts from you? And then we'll just ask Dennis for his. Yeah, I want to riff on something that Dennis just shared. And we have some data that I think is really important. Going back to these top drivers for work transformation, because I think they are evolving. And I also want to pick up on some of the differences globally. So we began by talking about what these are, and we talked about productivity, and we talked about improved employee experience, but I really want to draw the linkage. So when we talked about doing interviews and that we've done a survey on this very specifically, we found that globally, as we mentioned earlier, that improved productivity was the top concern. But when we looked at the relationship of that to, for example, North America, we saw that improved employee experience was very closely linked to improved customer experience. So I think 41% in North America said improved employee experience was the best indicator of work transformation, followed by 38% that were looking at customer experience. And that in turn was followed by revenue growth. So this linkage between improving the employee experience with the customer experience to drive the revenue growth. That one, two, three cadence, I think is an important one, certainly in North America, as well as globally. And we need to think of these things holistically and in a connected fashion and be able to start measuring the relationship of each to the other. Dennis, any last thoughts from you? I would just say that I think this is a huge opportunity that I see a lot of customers taking advantage of as a differentiator. And the reason for that is, you know, when XLAs came out initially, they're, they're kind of linked to looking at an end-to-end -end process that, say, a service integrator was providing. And that's a very limited way of looking at it. I think the net or the key to making these valuable for you is to making sure that they're tied to underlying business outcomes and that ultimately makes this worthwhile to go down and pursue. It's the differentiator. And so the more you lean into that aspect of an XLA, I think the more beneficial it is and it derives the value out of bringing employee experience to bear in your enterprise. 
Fantastic. Thank you both, uh, Dennis and Amy, for sharing the ideas and for the dialogue and looking forward to continuing this conversation down the road. Thanks so much, Matt. Really was great to be here. And it was wonderful to talk to you again, Dennis. Yeah, thanks, Matt and Amy. Really enjoyed spending time with you today. I appreciate the conversation. Well, Amy, that's our third and final episode. Once again, our conversation with Dennis puts the employee experience right at the center of everything. Yes, and the key nature of hybrid working environments is that they better support the employee experience and better employee experience equals better customer experience. And we unlock the highest levels of hybrid employee experience by making sure departments and technologies are working together. SLA and XLA, HR and IT. These are not in competition. They're complementary. Well, what a way to end an amazing and illuminating season. Listeners, if you've enjoyed this series, we hope that you'll share this with business leaders in your own networks. I'm Matt Eastwood. And I'm Amy Loomis. And this has been the first season of Making Hybrid Work. We'll see you at the next podcast.